Hey everybody, Jason here. Before we get started, I wanted to introduce this episode very briefly. I was invited to moderate a panel of industry insiders talking about uh, content creators and publishers, their relationships, uh, review copies, paid content, uh, all that stuff that um, every once in a while just kind of explodes in controversy because the lines are blurry and everything. So it was great to hear from these publishers who are in charge in their respective companies of giving out those review copies and setting up those relationships uh, with creators. And I was able to offer the perspective of a uh, content creator myself here on the One Step Co-op Shop. Uh, we think about that a lot, all the time, uh, trying to do right by our audience, earning your trust, uh, doing right by you know the coverage that we provide, uh, never taking payment, uh, although we do take review copies and you know being transparent about all that. So this episode hopefully uh, is a piece of that, a way to uh, open the curtain and build trust with the audience. We look forward to hearing your feedback. Uh, if you want to interact with us about this or any other subject, our Discord is the best place to do it. Go ahead and check the show notes for the Discord. It is free to join. On with the show. Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Hello, uh, we are here today for a special conversation with four different people, three people that I really admire and myself, and we're going to talk about <laughs> publishers, reviewers, content creators, and the relationships and, and webs in between all those different um, all those different entities. Uh, let's start off with a brief introductions, and then we'll jump right into the conversation. Jen, why don't you let people know who you are? Yeah, hi, I'm Jen Graham-Mack. I work for Keymaster Games. I'm project manager there, formerly a community manager, um, and so gets to interact a lot with um, all kinds of content creators and the marketing side of uh, Keymaster operations. Josh? Um, hey, everybody. I'm Josh Welgus. I am the chief marketing officer for Chip Theory Games, along with doing some development work and other stuff. Chip Theory community knows me as Gilly because one of our owners is also named Josh and they made me take a pseudonym so that people would not get confused. So, hello. And of course it had to be one of the Too Many Bones characters. Of course, well yes. Done. The best, the best Too Many Bones character, yes. Jason? Yo, my peoples, what's up? My name is Jason Perez. I am from the Shell Stories YouTube channel, also from the One Stop Co-op Shop YouTube channel. Uh, and I do uh, this kind of thing. I have conversations uh, about what's going on in the hobby that's above the table. I try to do so in a constructive fashion. So that's what I'm my hope for this uh, conversation as well. And I'm Jamie Stegmeyer. I help run Stellmeyer Games. I uh, work on the marketing side of things. So I send copies to reviewers. And I am also a content creator for Stellmeyer Games. And that I talk about my favorite mechanisms on YouTube for a vast variety of games. So I, I see a little bit of both sides of what we're going to talk about today. So Jason, let, let, why don't you let everybody know the context of this conversation a little bit, and then we'll sure. jump into some, some conversation topics. So the small context here is uh, it, we've had a, a latest controversy occur in board gaming, and I'm not going to go over anything. It's not about uh, each individual one, because uh, quite frankly, they seem to come in cycles, right? Like we, like it happens once and then it happens again, you know, a creator will kind of step in it a little bit and trigger a, what I feel is a kind of simmering distrust a simmering misunderstanding, whatever you want to call it uh, amongst the audience uh, of what is a content creator, what is our role, and how do we relate to publishers? And the distrust comes from the idea that because we have, you know, uh, like 
Josh and I are going back and forth, <laughs> and, you know, and uh, you know, I, Jamie and I have done many, many um, pods together. That this is all public stuff, or a lot of it's public stuff. Uh, so the idea being like, okay, there seems to be like a coziness uh, between publishers and reviewers, which results in content creators, which is the you know the people that are front facing, uh, presenting uh, you know publisher products and publisher relationships in kind of a more friendly light than maybe we think you know behind the screen. So you know, we wanted to do this. Um, panel to bring the hard knowledge, you know, so the, the first thing we're going to do is I'm going to, all three of these people are going to talk about their review copy um, policies, their paid content policies, et cetera. Perfect transparency is a must. And also just, you know, have a conversation about some of the more difficult questions with the effort to rebuild that trust. We have nothing, content creators have nothing, I believe, if we don't have the trust of a significant amount of the audience. We'll never please everybody, <laughs> but uh, at least uh, by having these open conversations, opening things up to the chat, uh, this will post on Jamie's uh, uh, YouTube channel. Jamie's all over the comments. <laughs> so uh, yeah, please feel free. And also, I believe that uh, a blog is also going up, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. Lots of uh, opportunities to you know get conversation going. So like that's what this is. This is a knowledge building exercise. This is also uh, in a way a trust building exercise. So um, great. So but let's begin with the facts. So yeah. uh, in the order in which that we you know introduced ourselves, uh, let's talk about um, just the hard facts of review copies. How many? Uh, how do you determine? Uh, and let's start with review copies, and then we can kind of go back and forth, and then we'll separate the paid content out. So review copies. Uh, Jen, tell us a little bit about how Keymaster goes about them. Yeah, so one, I, I think that um, review copies, like it, it's a great place to start because I think this is maybe where a lot of uh, the problem mm -hmm. uh, even comes from is this idea that something is identified as a review copy and what does that mean? We have a group of people who love and are passionate about sharing games Thank you very much with uh, with the their communities and uh, the this idea of a review copy or, or a reviewer versus a content creator in my mind are two different things. Reviews uh, relate this idea of review copies relates to media and journalism and there's there are rules there and there's specific intention there and there's this group of people who are content creators who do all kinds of things. Sometimes they share their opinions about games. Sometimes they just share having fun with a game. And for me, when I approach uh, copies going out to people, I really am looking for collaboration with people. And that means that you're presenting me with a fun idea like uh, for chicken, you want to do silly chicken jokes. Awesome. I, I don't care. Um, that's that's great. That's hilarious. Thanks for being inspired by our game to go make this fun content. That presents having fun with the game. And that's what we want to be shared about our games or any game is that people can have fun with the product. If we're looking for critical analysis of the game, we might look for something else. Um, but it's not so much that there's a policy of... Um, hey, I'm sending this out to you and, and you need to disclaim that you received a copy from me. I do think that that's true, but uh, I just, I, I wanna start off by saying, hey, these are two dif differentiators that um, I like to think about when I'm considering how I'm connecting with people who are reaching out and excited about sharing our games with their community. 
And, and a sense of numbers, like how many, uh, how does that, what is the process of requesting? Do you have like a list and you know, do you contact people? How does that uh, nuts and bolts stuff work out? Yeah, we, we do have a list uh, of people that we reach out to for interest. The number is, uh, there's not a hard set number. Uh, if people are engaged and interested in engaging with a product, that's awesome. We're going to try to accommodate as many of those as possible. There is a difference between launch uh, launch volume and ongoing volume. Like I'll say, I try to actively engage with uh, five, make sure that I am connecting with five people and getting five uh, copies of our games into people's hands who want to share them with their community a month. And that could be anything. Like that's a that's a number, a target number that I'm trying to hit on an ongoing basis. That's very different than um, uh, when a product is launching, of course. Uh, the, that number is going to be uh, a lot higher. Uh, but when it comes to like, is this product converting in any kind of way? Like, or is this content converting? Uh, the answer is probably not. It's not converting on direct sales of the game. Mm -hmm. So those connections and collaboration is about uh, getting a, a volume of viewership out there so that the conversion happens much further, likely much further down the road. Um, when we look at our metrics, the conversion on social media content, for example, is 0.3%. So you have to be telling me that you are giving getting impressions that are in the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands for even one copy being sent to you to actually convert and us to make our money back. So that our, our reasoning and rationale for volume and how that happens and the decisions we make is not exclusively based on that uh, monetary conversion. It's about seeing that you're building a community with your with the people who uh, come to your content that view your content that engage with your content um, because we want that impression to be as positive as possible whenever those touch points are happening and on the YouTube side it it matters if like an individual person is going to search for a game and they see six or seven hits as opposed to two and so even if that individual piece of content may be you know uh, 500 views, 1K views, whatever the, the number is, which doesn't really convert, it does help that individual person or it helps you know, whoever's searching, especially if it's a con, you know, you're walking by, oh, I'm, I'm going to Google this thing quickly. I saw this is cool. And if you see kind of a bunch of YouTube videos that are up in the algorithm, then that is beneficial. So like there's, so what you're saying is it's not like a lot of like solid one-to-one -one stuff. Like you have to kind of think of a whole ecosystem of, of stuff. Great. That's awesome. Uh, Josh, same series of questions. Yeah. Uh... First, I just want to say, uh, Jen, I think you nailed it on the head, and I never actually really even thought about it that way. Um, the, that line between, con <coughs> excuse me, content creation and reviewers, um, we look at them kind of one in the same in terms of like when we release a product, um, you know, we have a list of, you know, it's probably around 100 different content creators, reviewers, whatever, whatever you want to say, uh, that we email out and ask uh, for interest on, generally speaking, when we release a product, and again, there's a there's a difference between a product release and the ongoing stuff. Um, when we release a product, we're generally sending out around 50 review copies. Generally speaking, um, depends on the product. You know, we sent out a few less Hoplomachus Victorum uh, games than Too Many Bones games, simply because it's a solo only game, and we had a lot of reviewers tell us they don't really cover solo games, so. Um, that's kind of a thing. We don't really have a, a hard and set policy. Uh, we, we tend to tell people when we're offering copies, we say, you know, like, please do not accept a copy if you do not plan to cover it. 
Uh, we do follow up and make sure that uh, some coverage has been provided if we send a copy as we evaluate uh, you know, the sending of a subsequent game. So if we send you too many Bones Unbreakable, you don't cover it, you know, we may not send you 20 strong when it comes out, that sort of thing, um, depending on size of channel, that kind of thing. Um, but we don't have we don't have a hard and, and fast policy. We try to help out smaller channels when we can uh, just generate goodwill and help people uh, kind of get a leg up in a very competitive field. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's an interesting thing. Board game journalism doesn't really exist. Right. Um, it just doesn't, you know, because there's no money in it because nobody's paying for coverage. You have sites like Dicebreaker, you have things like BGG News that are a little bit, you know, whatever you want to say, not, you know, they come without any bias. They're just trying to report, generally speaking. Um, but that, you know, that is an interesting thing. Like people, people want, I feel what, like what, what this is, what this latest controversy and what a lot of has been simmering in the last year, people are like desiring that unbiased, unpaid, unfiltered, you know, like review of, of board games, hardcore board game criticism doesn't really exist at least uh, more broadly. So yeah, there is this, you know, they're just the nature of the industry and the nature of the amount of money. Uh, and I, when I say money, I mean profit, which there's not a lot of profit in board games, just, you know, whatever you think about four and a half million dollar campaigns and that kind of thing, the amount of profit that's coming in is not anywhere near that big number that you're seeing. And so there is this, it's a blurred line. It's, and I think that's a really, really important distinction that Jen made. It's a blurred line between content creation, review, journalism, fandom, community, all that stuff. Oh, that's what we're going to talk about here in this. You step right in it, Josh. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, Jamie, same series of questions. Yeah. Um, so as a publisher, uh, our goal at Stomar Games, our goal for sending out review copies um, or content or, or copies to content creators in general is generally to provide as unbiased a look at those games as possible that can reach as many people as possible so that it's entirely almost customer facing. I'm trying to serve the customer. Um, I would rather a customer figure out from a review that a game of ours is for or not for them um, than if they buy the game randomly and don't have that information up front. So if I can get our games in the hands of as many reviewers as possible, that's awesome because they can provide that information to better serve customers. That's my goal. We have a list of about 670 different reviewers. And on average, I send out around 100 review copies a month. And by send out, I mean that every month I send an e-newsletter to reviewers who have uh, reviewed games for us in the past. And uh, I offer them essentially, a well, not essentially, I offer them a free code for our web store to pre-order or to order a game that's on our web store for free. And so when I say send out, it's not me uh, receiving a request from a reviewer and then sending them a copy. It's me kind of broadcasting it out to reviewers and saying, hey, if you are available right now, and like Josh said, if you are available in the relatively in relatively near future to actually review a copy, don't accept a copy unless you actually think that you can review it um, or feature it in some way, uh, uh, don't use this code. And so it's entirely it entirely puts the impetus on the reviewer or the content creator to make that decision. If they want to go to our web store, use the free code to get a review copy. And so that, that ends up happening around 100, 100 times a month that the reviewers end up reviewing those those games. Like what Jen and Josh said, uh, the number of copies that we send out for the launch of a game is a little bit different too than an ongoing review for a game. But we do still try to support our older games too. Viticulture came out 10 years ago. 
we still send out review copies for Viticulture because people are constantly entering the hobby and constantly discovering games. And I see reviews as a way of kind of reminding people that game that this game exists, uh, because otherwise, it may, if I don't if I don't send it out to a reviewer, it's probably not going to show up on a channel for quite some time. So yeah, those are that's the rough data. I'm looking at the questions over here, the rough data and and how we approach those policies. Right. Uh, and yeah. so I just to, to close in the one stop co-op shop. The one stop co-op shop is a YouTube channel with about forty thousand subscribers. Yay, forty thousand, uh, which is a huge number for us. Uh, we just our, our general policy in terms of um, you know receiving copy. And to full disclosure, I've received um, or our channel has received copies from all three of these people on the uh, panel. Uh, we featured side expeditions most recently from uh, Stonemaier Games and a couple other games. Uh, Josh uh, has partnered with us with Too Many Bones and uh, Jen. Uh, you know, we've worked, we've reviewed uh, parks. Uh, and you know a couple of the games. I think that's the big release right now, our big uh, game for you, for y'all. Um, so before again, before we get into it, I want to lay it all out. There's review copies, but then there's also just cash payment uh, in terms of paid content. So just very quickly, uh, your policies and your practices when it comes to actual payment for content. And I'll go in the same order. Jen, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so if I'm sending out a copy of a game, uh, which is a, a form of payment, a, a free copy of a game. Uh, I'll go back to the word collaboration where I'm saying, hey, you've presented me with an idea, an opportunity. Um, you're asking for this as your form of payment. And I say, yes, you can have that. If there is uh, money involved in the exchange, uh, in, in a setup that's going on with uh, content creators or uh, media of any type, there's an expectation on our end that it is a, uh, we are getting exactly what we pay for. So if, uh, let's talk about Kickstarter, for example, as a really quick thing, instead of seeking out um, reviews or overviews, uh, well, no, not overviews, but let's say reviews of the game, uh, we'll say, we want you to do an overview of the game and we think you should be compensated for your time uh, in order to do that. And our expectation is that you are going to show people how this game works and what the experience is like at the table for this game. It's not for you to present an opinion of the game. That's never what we're asking for in exchange for uh, those uh, that type of cash transaction or contract, but it is a contract. It's a work contract. These are, these are essentially contractors that we are asking to um, visualize, help us expand visually what the game looks like to people, uh, whether it's to our audience or to their audience. Um, because we think that that's important to help them understand uh, that the visual video medium is important for them to understand uh, what uh, how the game is going to maybe look on the table. That's it. That's all we are asking for in those. It could be in the form of a sponsorship on a Twitch channel. It could be in the form of a video uh, during a campaign. There's lots of different variations of how that looks. That's the expectation um, that we have when we do that. Okay, Josh, same question. Yeah. Um, so again, not really, this is not really a hard and fast policy or anything that we have. Um, but from a, from a review perspective, we've never paid for a review from anyone ever. Um, that's not, that's not a thing. That's not paid content that we pay for. Um, and frankly, nobody offers that. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe if I were to, uh, email some people, you know, on the on the DL and do some shady requests, maybe that exists somewhere. Uh, but we've never been offered a paid review of any kind. Um, so generally what we pay for, um, we will reach out to content creators uh, once the game has released or possibly, you know, if it's a, if it's going on crowdfunding and we want some preview coverage, 
we will reach out to content creators and reviewers and that kind of thing whose content we admire. And we will say, hey, would you be interested in covering this early? And we just point blank ask them, what do you charge? And they come back to us and we pay it, um, assuming that we feel the, the content is worthwhile. So um, we've, we've found historically, it's better to lean into what channels are good at and what they what they want to do rather than asking for specific types of coverage. So, uh, you know, if, uh, if rolling solo or our family plays games or whoever wants to do a playthrough of one of our games, uh, we will, we will pay for that coverage, uh, whatever, whatever the going rate is at any given time. So, yeah. Okay. Same question. And for, yeah, for us at still our games, um, similar to what Josh and Jen said, we, we never pay for, review content. We never pay for opinions. Um, the, the only content that we pay for is, is, uh, objective is, is asking people to showcase what the game is very similar to what Josh and Chen said. Uh, we, we are, we work with watch it played quite frequently where we pay Rodney to, um, to, to explain the rules for our games, completely objective. Uh, every now and then we'll, uh, pay for a playthrough. It's very rare that we do that, but every now and then, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. We did one for a board game garden a few months ago and, uh, John gets games is doing a, a playthrough us for us in the near future. So there's some, uh, playthroughs that we pay for some how to pay videos. Uh, and that's pretty much it. We don't, we don't pay for very much content at Stonemaier games. And, uh, I think, uh, I think almost review, uh, reviewers and content creators are very generous with their time in terms of playthroughs and how to plays, a lot of them just do it independently because they enjoy talking about games and they enjoy building their audience that way. So I'm I'm really grateful for any content creator who creates even a non-review content, non-opinionated content for free. Um, that happens quite often. Right. Yeah. A lot of a lot of content creators out there, I think, are doing this mostly to get copies of games to help their own personal interest and they they consider that their you know that that's enough payment for their time and again that's that's not to be conflated with you know that those reviews are being paid for that kind of thing but uh content creators again aren't getting rich on this they're just doing it mostly because they're passionate about it so right i mean so i just wanted to kind of knock that out there because of this whole boogeyman of the paid review that seems to come up almost every time and and you know the the, the paid reviews are bad and you know there's too many paid reviews in board gaming and i have three um publishers here and i probably could take a random sample of amongst many many different publishers and they that is not the intention is to pay for a review to pay for positive content so just wanted to get that out of, out the way but josh <laughs> you stepped in it a little bit um I think there's a fuzziness. Here we go. Here we go. There's a fuzziness, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, Jen articulated that there's content creators and there's reviewers. And I think a lot of us don't identify, like specifically identify, I do content, I do you. Some of us do. Like uh, a Tim Chone, we had, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, someone who is like Tim Chone features games, right? Beautiful. And he doesn't give any opinion. So it's like, that's pretty clear. That's content. But the, I guess the majority of us, I mean, in terms of the, like that enthusiasm everybody's talking about, like we can't help but like, okay, here's what I think. And this is kind of out of an enthusiasm thing, which in that way blurs a line. And so the big question is the, the, the money that goes out, whatever money goes out for whatever, and the copies that go out, as much as publishers try to be careful, and it sounds like y'all are trying to be careful, there's still that biasing element. Because it's dope to get a free game. It's dope to get, you know, or like recognized and all that kind of thing. So 
I guess in terms of your own expectations, you know, what, how do you react if you give somebody a review copy or whatever it is and they don't like it, they, or whatever, is there an incentive to kind of, you know, give it to people who are going to be nice to it? <laughs> you know, is there a, a bias, you know, is there a <clears throat> biasing in just the delivery of, of all the, whatever the games and the content and everything? So I'll go to Josh first because you stepped in and then I'll open it up to the panel. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, of course there's a bias. Um, when we are getting super early copies, uh, you know, before the ocean freight is happening, we'll often airship in a handful of copies of our games to send to content creators and reviewers early. Uh, I believe on Hoplomachus Victorum, we sent them to Liz Davidson, who Hoplomachus was her favorite game of all time, the old version of Hoplomachus. We sent one to Mark Dainty of Not Board Gaming, who historically loves chip theory, loves our stuff. We sent one to Jeremy Howard at MBM uh, and Jambalaya Plays Games because he historically loves Hoplo, loves chip theory. Like, uh, yeah, that's that's marketing. Like, again, we didn't send them we didn't send those send them those early copies saying like you must cover this positively, but we knew those folks were going to really really enjoy. Hoplomachus Victorum. We just did. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we do try, you know, you try, especially when, it, at least for us, especially when it comes to early copies, we do, of course, try to target people that we think are going to help get us some good positive buzz going, uh, you know, by virtue of their reviews. Holistically speaking, as it relates to our full on mailing list, uh, we don't have, we don't have anybody we don't have anybody that we don't send games to simply because they've given us like negative coverage or that kind of thing. Like, all right, we, we keep that list completely clean. We continue to offer games to people who have, uh, have really not enjoyed our games before, because again, like that's to us, if we stop, if we stop sending, if we very clearly stop sending games to a certain channel or stop offering games to a certain channel or that kind of thing, um, we feel like it will be obvious that we are trying to bias the coverage um, around, but, but yes, I mean, like we, we, we didn't send necessarily like too many bones unbreakable and all the new expansion gear locks to every content creator on our list. We did send them to channels that we know already love too many bones because we figured they'd appreciate it more. And that's just, you know, that's just how it goes. So uh, for us, when it comes to early coverage, yeah, we're thinking about that, but that doesn't affect our overall strategy so to speak in terms of who we send to holistically so i mean i guess after um it's almost like you know self-selecting the audience a little bit isn't it um and that and doesn't that contribute to the overall ecosystem of like okay we can't trust these people because now now that josh has said it <laughs> you know there is an incentive on the creator to like okay i love this game even if they may not. Mm. So because if I love this game, then I'll get the expansion or I'll get the early access or I'll get whatever. So what you had just said just really does create an incentive in the system to for a person to kind of like, okay, maybe hype it up a little bit more. I'm not saying that there's an answer to this. And they're not kind of, this isn't like a gotcha or anything. Just kind of like, you know, trying to bring the audience's voice into this conversation and asking in an open-ended way what we can do about it. So Jamie, you had some thoughts about that. Well, yeah, I really appreciate Josh's transparency. I'm curious to hear Jen's answer too. Um, so I, I can say, as you can tell, 
we are all human beings here and I think we all have biases. I, I certainly am. And I listen to a lot of reviews for games that are not published by Stomar Games. And I have reviewers that I, like review channels that I gravitate towards. And I have some that I, that I unsubscribe to because I don't connect with the way that they talk about their content. From a publisher perspective though, I really try to leave as much bias out of it as possible with the one slight exception of being what Josh said, because for advanced review copies, there's a very limited number of those. Air freighting copies of games from China is very expensive. We can't do that with hundreds of games. We can do that with a dozen games. And I try to, I often select reviewers that I've worked with before for that purpose, not based on what they said, uh, for a reason I'll say in a second, but based on uh, whether or not they actually reviewed those copies. Uh, that's and, and that there is the literally the only requirement that I look at for reviewers. If I send them a review copy, if they actually review it and send me a link to it so that I know that they reviewed it. Oftentimes I see the link on the on the uh, you know my feeds and whatnot, but that is the only requirement. Um, I intentionally do not listen to or watch reviews of Stomar games because I don't want my human level bias to come in there. If if I learn that a reviewer hasn't liked a few of our games in a row, um, that might in, impact me as as a human being. And so I intentionally do not listen to those, those reviews. I don't know. I try to stay keep myself out of it. So when we send out review copies, literally the 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 only the only uh, the only way that you can be removed from the list is if I've sent you a review copy and you didn't actually review it. Um, that's the that's the only requirement for us. That's the only expectation, I guess. You're you're famous, I think, for the for not uh, engaging with review content or knowing. Um, I <laughs> but I it's different than your method, right? Because you're you're. Oh, I yes. Yeah. So uh, I want to call out, um, identify, maybe try to identify as clearly as possible that there's three people in this relationship, and all of them are engaged in a business transaction. So content creators. Are, are business people. And I encourage in every conversation that I have with content creators that they believe that of themselves and that they treat their interaction with publishers as a business relationship because that's what it is. Um, you are getting paid for a service. Regardless of how we identify this, if you are receiving a copy of a game for free, you are being paid, uh, you are being compensated in some way. So I think because of that, the, this idea of bias and impartiality um, is uh, just reaffirms that it's impossible for that to be explicitly true. If I buy something with my own money that I've earned, and then I go and talk about it publicly, that is word of mouth marketing. And it's the most valuable marketing that any of the three of us can ever hope mm -hmm. for and expect. It, that's, that's the best marketing we'll ever receive. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not what we're talking about here, though. We're not talking about those people. We're talking about people who are being paid in some way. So one, I think it's my responsibility as a publisher to be as upfront and clear about what type of product is uh, being offered on the table that, that we're excited to talk about, that we would love to partner with content creators to talk about. Uh, it's important for us to set expectation. I think chicken is a great example of it as a, as a new product for us because it is vastly different from the rest of our collection. It is a super light game. There's minimal strategy. It's meant to be silly. It's a dice rolling, push your luck. It's about as, as random as you can get, right? Rolling dice. Um, there's a little bit more to it than that, but really it's, you know, it's important for us to be upfront and clear and transparent about what this product is and what our goals for this product is, why we're releasing it. 
the content creator, it's their responsibility. I believe it's their responsibility to say, I think this product is a good fit for my channel, the, the work that I do for this reason. And it's on the content creator to say, I think this is going to be good for my audience because not the conversation around the product is going to be good for my, my content community because. And it's my responsibility to be like, I agree with you. I'm aligned with your belief in, that that's true. I think that it's good for a content creator to want it to be a good conversation for their community because that serves their business. If their community is engaged with the content that they're putting out, then that content creator is going to continue to have positive partnerships with other pro other publishers for a long time, for an indefinite period of time. Now, the third person, the most important person, that community member who is looking uh, for a reason to spend money on our product, yeah. I think anecdotally, they do not care about negative press. <laughs> These are people who want to come to escape. They come to the table to escape, um, to have a, a reprieve. Me as a gamer, I want to sit down and spend time with people at the table and escape from my world and what's going on in my world for a little bit of time to engage with the people that are there, to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with them. That's why I come to the table to play games. And I think that from playing with my friends, that's why they're at the table. And a lot of the time, whenever there's this conversation that comes up about negative press for board games, they don't want to engage with it hmm. because that's not why they're they're there. So I think in general, it's not to say that somebody saying, hey, this game didn't jive with me is bad. I'm not talking about that as bad press. I'm talking about the overall inertia of this idea that um, drama drummed up um, in these relationships is something that our community wants to engage with. And we really try to avoid that because we believe that our community doesn't really want that from the content of our products. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you're leading me right in, <laughs> Jen. Um, I, I have to go to Josh again, because speaking of like drama, there was a little bit of drama and you mentioned that in our uh, email back and forth. Uh, so if, if folks don't know, uh, in, in concert with, I think it was a Too Many Bones release or just kind of, you know, around that time, it was Hoppelmarcus. Um, it was Hoppelmarcus. That was it. Hoppelmarcus. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. So it, it, so this again blurring the lines, right? So um, Chip Theory had engaged in a, in a what I guess I would call a marketing strategy uh, of going to a blacksmith, having actual swords, weapons crafted, and surprise, and nobody was kind of um, let know ahead of time, uh, and they were engraved with the different logos and you know, all that kind of thing, and sent to uh, you know certain uh, content creators. Uh, and so, you know, everybody got this surprise in the mail and we, everybody was posting uh, and the, the the tagline said, OK, this is a thank you to all, all the, the, the good efforts of the creator. But it's, uh, you know, it's, the, the line is super blurry. So in terms of, you know, Jen's thing, you know, we want to try to avoid controversy. People don't want to sit down for that. And then because of marketing, people, you know, doing what you do it's almost, it's kind of crossing the streams and it makes it a little bit inevitable. So, I mean, this isn't a gotcha. Once again, I do want no. to give you the floor to yeah. explain some of that and, and sort through what your thinking was. Yeah, so uh, let me first of all say that those swords were about a hundred bucks. Okay, that's what we paid for them. So I'll just, I'll just put that out there. Uh, they were a little over a hundred bucks. Lots of people seemed to assume that they were in the realm of like a thousand dollars a piece, which I just want to dispel that myth, right? You can go actually. <laughs> that's find how much a good sword is. <laughs> you go to the Renaissance fair. That's how much sword. they are. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, so you can go on Etsy actually and order from the exact same guy that we that we ordered from. And uh, yeah, so just full transparency there. Uh, Chip Theory is a weird company, right? So like we do things, we're not doing things like most of the rest of the industry and we haven't been for a very, very long time. We have grown exceptionally organically by catering to a very, very small, uh, some would say cult-like audience and following. And frankly, I think that uh, I've said to Josh Carlson, our owner, because the, the, the whole sword sending thing was kind of his and my brainchild together. Um, I would not do it again, despite the, despite the amount of attention that it brought to us. I would not do it again. We genuinely, and I, you know, I don't know, I don't know if my face is going to read the right way to, to prove this to you if you're watching this on video. We genuinely did not expect any controversy from it, which maybe, you know, in retrospect was probably really stupid. Um, we did not, well, like we, we have done, we have a history. And if you've followed, ever followed any of our crowdfunding campaigns, like we have a history of adding really expensive stuff to our games after, well, after the game has funded, because we think it's cool because we think it's neat. Our whole company vision is kind of to constantly be doing stuff that we think is cool and that entertains us as employees and as business people. Uh, we're, we, you know, this is our muse, right? The, the fact that we can make money from it is incredible. Um, so we were like, what would be really cool and what would be really surprising and what would make everybody be like, oh, wow, that's the coolest thing ever. We are like, what if we just mailed people a sword? <laughs> that would be awesome, right? Like, wouldn't that be cool? What if you just got a sword in the mail one day? Can you imagine that? Wouldn't that be cool? That's as far as we thought mm. about, uh, you know, and uh, you know, I, I think the, I think the sword thing is kind of what really got this whole pot boiling to a certain extent. And, you know, the more recent controversies are what they are. And other things, um, it isn't just that it's, it's a whole. Uh, bunch. Yeah. But genuinely that's, we were like, wouldn't it be cool to get a sword in the mail? That's it. Uh, you know, we put a nice letter in there. We sent alloy dice as well, which are an expensive accessory for Hoppelmachus Victorum. Uh, but as the company that is always trying to do surprising and novel things, that's really, that's what we were trying to do. Again, in retrospect, I would not do it. I would not do it again. Uh, like we, we definitely kind of stepped in it with that. And even though I think most people interpreted it the right way, uh, I also think it, it definitely put some people off of not just Hoppelmachus Victorum, but of ourselves and of, you know, and possibly even of some of the content creators who accepted the sword. So that's. Yeah, live and learn, and this is what this is all about. Kind of you know having the conversations and, and ironing stuff out, processing in real time with the audience. Nothing to me, nothing builds trust better than just kind of like being open and honest, that kind of thing. I want to be mindful of time, so I'm kind of zoom through it a little bit. I'm going to go to Jamie. Um, you mentioned before, like, okay, was that the the one thing? No, it's not the one thing in terms of the controversy. Um, Mr. Mr. Stegmar, you have had your own little things, and uh, this is again not a gotcha, but I wanted to ask about a practice that you have which there was a conversation around when Tapestry came out. And then I think the, the policy has been placed since then. Um, so you mentioned before like air mailing the, mm -hmm. the, the, the early copies. Yeah. The policy is re release the playthrough, non-opinion, right? And so, okay, you know, and there's, there's, a, there's a day for that. And then there's kind oh, of an embargo. It's like, okay, on this day, that's after the feature, then you can share your opinion. Right. Is that, uh, did I, did I uh, cover that policy correctly? Yeah. Yeah. This wasn't actually even the controversy that I was going to mention about myself. Um, uh, in terms of marketing, really in terms of, yeah. <laughs> in terms of marketing. I, 
it, yeah. it wasn't like a controversy. It's just kind of I caused a question. So I think people responded yeah. to that particular thing as like, hmm, you know, is he trying to exert a level of control mm-hmm. over the creators? You know, why, why isn't the creator just free to do whatever? And so that kind of had, had people questioning the creator's independence relative to the, the relationship there. So I don't know if you had, I mean, yeah. You, yeah, please discuss. Yes. So I had noticed leading up to Tapestry, I had noticed that when we sent out early review copies, that there would be some reviewers that would seem to, they would try to be first. They would try to rush, to, from my perception, they would rush to get to the table so they could be the first one to have a, have a video about, about that game. And because I'm trying to serve the customer, in some ways, that is good for the customer. They're getting information about the game. But I don't necessarily know if it's good for a customer to, um, to have that information rushed. And I also didn't think it was necessarily great for the reviewers to maybe feel some sort of pressure to be the first to have a review out there. Because um, I think reviewers get a lot of review copies. I, I, don't, I don't want them to necessarily elevate our game above all the other games that they have coming in. And so start. I think it did start with Tapestry where I said, why don't you wait until, or please wait until X date to share at the earliest, and you can share at any time after that, to share your opinions about the game. The mistake I made for Tapestry, and this is something we still do today. The mistake I made for Tapestry was that that date was, I think, the same day as the pre-order opening for Tapestry. Mm. And so um, I think the timing was wrong there because people who we were trying to give that information to customers, but we were asking them to, on the same day, place an order and do all the research for a game way too quickly. And so now, for example, for like Expeditions, uh, I sent review copies about three weeks ago to advanced copy reviewers, and I asked them to um, to wait until the week of June 12th, which is next week, to start sharing opinions about it for this exact purpose, so that no one, none of them felt rushed to get out that content. So they had time to do it. Um, and the pre-order for Expeditions is ongoing. So there's there's it's been open for months. It, it will continue to be open for uh, for as long as we have copies of Expedition. So I think that more relaxed approach, giving customers plenty of time to use okay. that review content to make their pre-orders or make their orders is much more effective. Mm-hmm. And I guess the general question, yeah. and I'll open this up as a, uh, we, 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 we kind of have to come to a close because of time, unfortunately. But um, in terms of the level of control that a publisher would like to exert, uh, you know, in terms in terms of what the con- in terms of what the content creator makes, uh, just some like general comments about you know the the idea of control, the idea that you know publishers do have control. How do you navigate that? And I guess are there it's such a big question? But, uh, just kind of some general thoughts of like, okay, you know, is the creator free to as long as they honor the game and are professional? Is the creator free? Do you feel the creator should, uh, is free to do what they feel is right with the game. Yes, Con- we're I'm we're partnering with content creators because they're doing something that we are not capable of doing or don't have the time or capacity to do. So the reason we are even seeking out those relationships is because you know better something that like you're an expert in something that we are not. And uh I want to do my best always to honor uh, that that's true. That's what I believe in the in the in the transaction in the relationship is, that that's happening. Um, so if there's a contract, I think the expectation is like again on the payment side of things. If there's payment involved, there's a contract involved, and that contract stipulates specific things, namely around time. Right? If we're paying for something, it's it largely has to do with it, something being time bound. If we're not uh, paying for something aside from the shipping of a copy. 
we don't have expectations around uh, timeliness. And if we are uh, sending you a copy and something doesn't come out and we don't receive, con there's not content in the air by the time you're asking for something else, that's going to impact our ability to say yes to that future request, of course. So um, again, we're, we try to remove that expectation uh, up to a certain point. And then if we want to bring expectations into the mix, we believe that there's, uh, there's a money piece involved there. Uh, I also want to say um, to the sword thing that I'm still salty. I didn't personally receive a sword. Uh, <laughs> I'm still waiting. We've got, <laughs> we've got like three, we've got like three still here that don't have logos on them. And I think we have a couple from content creators who turned them down. So uh, let me know. Let me know. You got my email, I think. Yeah. Um, and also, hey, you know, jo Josh, I don't want to like... Uh, you're not the first person to send cool things to people. This is actually cross industry, something that happens all the time. Fun marketing things, fun, bringing fun into your marketing to market something that is supposed to be fun is good marketing practice for an industry that is about having fun. Yeah, I appreciate that. I would So yeah, in terms of exerting control, we exert no actual control. Again, unless it's paid preview content and we have a specific you know, whatever, if it's a, if it's, if, if it's a small slice of the game that somebody's previewing, we will direct them on kind of how to best cover that small slice of the game and talk about maybe things that aren't there for them to see. You know, we did that with the Elder Scrolls, the Elder Scrolls is not done. It's got a ways to go. So we only had a small slice of the game to show. I would, you know, the, but the control, I guess, you know, and I don't, this isn't control, but this is a really small industry. I know it's like a multi, multi-million dollar industry, but in terms of the people involved, board game companies are small. We're, uh, Chip Theory, we have about 25 people that work here, and I think we're one of the largest companies by employee count in the entire industry. Uh, we all see each other at conventions. 50% 50, uh, 50 of the content creators that we send things to directly, I could probably message on Facebook right now because I'm Facebook friends with them, and I could have a conversation with them. Um, if you want to call that control, I don't, I don't know. Uh, we just try to be nice to each other. Everybody in this industry is here to have fun. Uh, nobody is in this industry because they're looking to cover crappy board games. And it's frankly, it's hard to buy a crappy board game anymore. Like a truly bad game, like they're not really coming out anymore. There's, you know, modern board game design has come so far. And so like you can't, you can't separate, you'll never separate all that kind of stuff, right? Like, because, because there's good people working in this industry and because they talk to each other at conventions and because they, there's tight knit communities, like we all kind of like each other. I like, I just met Jamie for the first time. I just met Jason for the first time. I just met Jen for the first time. I like, I like all of you. I would hang out with you again. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and I, I know none of you are content creators. It's not quite the same, but that's, I think that's also just a piece of the puzzle is a lot of these publishers aren't exerting any control over what's being covered, but they do genuinely get along and know potentially personally, the people that are covering these games, you can't get rid of that in an industry this small, the, the, the industry would have to grow probably tenfold to sort of eliminate that from things because that's just the way it is. And there's not enough money being made by content creators for them to go full indie uh, you know, you have a couple that are trying, uh, but even even they, you know, still do major Patreon drives and that kind of thing, trying to get the money that they need to make a living doing this. There's just not enough money here 
to make that make sense. So anyway, sorry, I that was kind of all over the place, but yeah, that's no, it's, it's fine. I mean, we're, it, I mean, this is a bigger conversation. I think our content creators need to have these conversations more explicitly, and we hope to have future panels where we center content creators in response to some of the things that are said. And I think some of the things that I'm hearing are that there is an effort to try to separate reviews and content. And, you know, especially Jen gave some really thoughtful comments about how to, you know, think about those separations and that on the publisher end, uh, you know, Jamie has described many of the things that happen on Stonemart are kind of like, okay, he doesn't watch the reviews and he's very careful about, uh, you know, if it's, it, maybe somebody does trash his game, but like, as long as they're honoring the game, they're going to get another copy. Uh, and same thing with Josh. So like, there's things that the publishers are doing, uh, at least at, at the little end to try to ease that sense that like a content creator can be trusted. That's at the end of the day, that that is the number one thing at the end of the day. Um, so, I mean, again, we can go in many different directions, but we have, have to be mindful of time, uh, closing statements in terms of, uh, publisher, like speak to the audience, right? That's it. That's, I think that's what Jen says. It's the most important thing. Like as publishers, now start with Jamie first and go out from there, speak to the audience about like, um, you know, final pitch. Um, what do you want the audience to know in terms of your relationship uh, with publishers? If you can kind of encapsulate it in a short uh, sentence. Uh, you know, I, I as someone who consumes a lot of content myself, I watch a lot of reviews. I learn about a lot of games by watching the reviews. I get, even at what Jen said earlier, sometimes I have a game on my shelf and I will watch a review about it just to get excited about a game that I already know just to get it to the table at game night that night. Like I am generally in this because I want to get excited about the games because I am excited about games and I want to get more excited about games. And so I hope you, I, I hope anyone watching this, um, I know there's a level of trust that might be on, on the table here, but I hope you find content creators that you value and that you have fun with and that you that you enjoy their content. Like I and, and that there are publishers. I hope there are also publishers that that support those content creators with games so they can continue to talk about games. Like that's I that's we send review copies to to inform you. Um and whether or not the reviewer likes those games. And you can go to our web store or you can go to our website right now. And click on reviews, and you will absolutely find negative reviews because when some when a reviewer sends me a, a link, I just post it. I don't mm -hmm. I don't watch it. It could be it could be they could really be trashing one of our games, and that link is on our website right now. I hope it is <laughs> so that you can learn about that that perspective on the game. It's up to you though to decide uh, what reviewers you connect with, and I hope you find some reviewers that you do connect with. Uh, speak to the audience. So, what, do you, what would you like to say from the publisher end? Uh, I would just say again, I, there's not. There is not a grand conspiracy, I guess, is the main thing that I would just say to everybody listening to this. Um, you know, I know like there was a lot of dirty laundry aired recently. Um, that is not the norm, nor is it even, I would say, the anomaly. That was just, that's just, it's a, just not how it works. That's not how this industry works. That's not how relationships operate between publishers and content creators, uh, you know, as, as a normal thing. So, and again, I would just, I just go back to, there's just not enough money involved for, for that to be a thing, for there to be a grand conspiracy. So that, that's the main thing I just want to say, I, you know, in defense of content creators and in defense of publishers at the same time, there's just, there's not this weird underground thing where we're all like handing each other money under the table to, to say things and do things. That's just not how it works. So um, that's, yeah, that's really kind of the long and short of it. There's, uh, and, and if people want truly, truly unbiased 
games journalism, board game journalism, you will have to pay for it. And a lot of you will have to pay for it. And I, that's, that sounds like a threat or something. That's not a threat. Um, <laughs> it's a reality. It's a reality. If, if you want there to be a IGN or a polygon of board games that is like trying to do truly authentic, unbiased journalism, there's going to need to be a large critical mass of people that are willing to pay 20 bucks a month or more for that coverage, because that is the only way to really do it and do true journalism, you know, if, if that's what people are looking for. And until the until this industry grows leaps and leaps and bounds yet, even on top of this latest, you know, this last decade of modern board game explosion, until that happens, you, you just won't see it. And so, uh, you know, whatever, not, not buyer beware, but just be wise about who you watch. I, I think, you know, Jamie kind of was alluding to that. Find content creators that speak to you, that like the same types of games that you like, and uh, and go along for the ride and understand again that most of the time they're going to cover stuff that they themselves are excited about because they're not being paid enough to waste 20 hours of their week getting a bunch of friends over to play a game that they think is going to be terrible. So, um, Jen, speak to the audience. Uh, would you like to share with them? Yeah, to, to board gamers, thanks for uh, allowing us to bring fun to your table. Thanks for trusting us to bring fun to your table. We are so excited to be able to uh, work in this industry, making board, board games, making something we're passionate about. Uh, and uh, it's an honor really to get to do this work for you. To content creators, thanks so much for your passion for this hobby and to help bring that fun to people and encourage and share and shout to the moon and back. Uh, that this is fun and uh, a great experience and we want to continue growing who we get to share um, this hobby and passion with. We're excited to continue collaborating with you and my encouragement is to really truly think about this as a collaboration and to walk in this as a collaboration because we just that's how we're going to make and continue to grow and improve and make the best content possible for um, people to be to feel welcomed and excited to try these things that we make for the first time. Thank you very much. Uh, just, oh, I mean, we are all offering fun, right? And so just very, very quickly, what is the latest fun that is coming from your company? I'll start with uh, Jen and move on. Uh, what is What can we look up for from Keymaster? Oh, uh, well, chicken, I mentioned it before, chicken is our summer release, uh, dice chucking good time. And I uh, can't, can't wait to, to share it with everybody. Absolutely. Chip theory. Uh, we have un, uh, Too Many Bones Unbreakable. The final sort of cycle of content for Too Many Bones is releasing. We're fulfilling it to backers right now, releasing shortly. You can pre-order it. Uh, we have late pledges for The Elder Scrolls Betrayal of the Second Era. And then we're also closing up late pledges for our solo small game that you can actually afford, chip theory game you can actually afford, uh, called 20 Strong. And that will be fulfilling to backers probably in the next uh, two months. And then we will be releasing uh, hopefully at Gen Con uh, for both Too Many Bones Unbreakable and 20 Strong. Stonemire Games. Uh, Expeditions is our big game right now, or that will be releasing soon for pre-orders and then retail release. And actually the week that this video will go live will be the week that you can see a variety of positive and negative videos about Expeditions for the first time. <laughs> yeah. 
the one stop co-op shop will have a yes. critical assessment of <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's actually Mike that did it. Uh, so I don't know if it's positive or negative. I think he, he think he overall likes the game, but then, you know, Mike is famous for oh, wanting to get spoilers. Don't, yeah, right. don't Jamie that. <laughs> I want to be on there's some cons in there. Yeah. Oh, worry. There's some cons in there. He always puts one in. Uh, so yeah. And so and on, on my channel, the one uh, on my channel, my personal channel, Shelf Stories, uh, the conversation continues. I have a series called Crisis of Content Creation where I open up discussion and give my own perspective. So I w- would appreciate people hopping over there for a deeper version of this but thank you everybody so much for making the time uh and being so open and honest and this is the only the start of the conversation so thank you very much yeah thanks thanks, i really appreciate you Yeah. yeah thanks for joining us again for the one stop co-op shop podcast check out our youtube channel at one stop co-op shop also join us for games and discussion on our discord channel you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list.